It's the seismic shift that's happening from consumer buying behavior changing. Customers want to buy from companies that have a greater purpose, a greater meaning, and they're willing to either spend the same and change brands or change you know, whatever company they buy from, or they're even willing to spend more. And then from the inside out, it's team members that want to work for a company that has a greater meaning and purpose. You're listening to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. This is your seat at the table. Welcome to the show. This is Darren Clark, the producer, and we appreciate you tuning in. Now, if you're looking to make your entrepreneurial journey more meaningful and more fulfilling, this episode is a great starting point. Our guest, Yannick Silva, is the author of Evolved Enterprise and the founder of Maverick 1000, a global network of visionary entrepreneurs making a difference in the world without taking themselves too seriously. Now, before I hand you over, be sure to follow Roland Frazier on Clubhouse, where he's been busy taking some great Q&As. And hit the subscribe button right here, wherever you're listening. So let's begin. Hey, everybody. Roland Frazier here. Welcome to this episode of Business Launch. And I'm very excited today to have the opportunity for us to chat with Yannick Silver, who I uh, have heard about for years and years before I got a chance to meet him. And he's just one of the best networkers and and marketers that you would ever want to run across and does all kinds of cool things from events with Richard Branson to to his Mavericks get-togethers, his mastermind where they do just, they fly fighter jets and things, all kinds of cool stuff like that. And also, Yannick introduced two of my business partners, Ryan Dice and Perry Belcher, to the world of finer wines through a tasting that we we're just talking about a few minutes ago. And Ryan and Perry actually decided to be partners at one of your dinners. I don't know if you've ever heard that story, but everybody was scrambling. It was a heavy wine dinner, pretty expensive tab. And everybody, he's, Perry's like, everybody was scrambling to like, who's going to pay? Who's going to pay? And I looked at Ryan, I was like, let's just pick this up. And he's like, they just picked it up. And after that, they were like, okay, well, obviously we need to be partners because we think alike. So <laughs> welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for all. Yeah. I, I knew somehow Ryan and, and Perry had gotten together, I think in my, I don't run it anymore, but an internet marketing mastermind group. And, and so I love the fact that that I had a small part to play in what has become an amazing ripple of, of impact and, and good in the world. And you did the undergrounds originally, right, as well? Yeah, a decade of underground, yeah. Yeah, and that that was another place I think Perry may have sold for the first time there. He sold it like a trip to China and he didn't, you know, he's... So it's fun. Yeah. You are a thread that runs through the fabric of a lot of the online marketing community. Would you share with us just kind of like what that story is, how you got started. And, you know, even before the internet, if you like, just, I always like to explore the entrepreneurial journey and you've had such a, a robust one. I'd love to hear the full scoop. Sure. You know, it, it started, I, I always say it started with my dad and, and my mom coming over here from Russia when I was three years old. So we came over, my dad had, actually, he just corrected me the other day and I can't remember the exact number. I always say 256 and he told me it was 286 or something or, or whatever it was. I'm like, well, it's close enough. He's like, no, this is the right number. <laughs> so whatever the number was, but it was in that neighborhood of about $300. So he came over and within about six months, he got fired at his job of uh, repairing medical equipment at a local hospital because he was moonlighting on the side, repairing medical equipment for some doctors. And so he took the, the route that many of us do as entrepreneurs, which is the very much less secure, but 
but our own individual sovereignty. And, and so he said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do my own thing. And so I grew up working for a family business, which meant that at 14 years old, I was telemarketing for latex gloves, had my own clients, making my own sales that way. And at 16, the deal was I got a car if I cold called on doctors. And so I'm this little 16 year old punk. You're a 16 year old kid cold calling on doctors. That must have been an interesting reception. <laughs> it was, yeah, well, it, it sucked, <laughs> you know, to put it bluntly. But it, it taught me a lot. And it also taught me that, A, I didn't like cold calling, but I had this one doctor who became a, a friend of mine and a, my favorite client. He ended up buying like an entire surgery center for me. And, and so it was like, I don't know, $30,000, $40,000 of, of equipment that I sold him. So a huge sale for me. And he's like, hey, are you, you kind of like marketing stuff? Because I'd been writing my dad's ads, which were terrible at the time. Like we'd have a huge whale on top and it'd be like, you know, this is this is a whale of a deal or something. That's and awesome. That's like completely terrible stuff. And he's like, here, check out this Jay Abraham tape. I just got back from a Jay Abraham seminar. And he's like, he, he, he went or, or you went? He, he went. Yeah, the other doctor. Oh, wow. Went. That's and, cool. And he's like, would your dad ever send you? I'm like, no. It was, you know, it was a $5,000 seminar. And, and he's like, okay, well, listen to this tape. It was the Tony Robbins, Jay Abraham tape on optimization. And it just like turned the lights on for me about direct response marketing and, and how you could get people to take action without talking to them. And I was like, just fascinated by this idea. And so I had also been studying like Earl Nightingale and different success philosophers at that time. So kind of a weird kid, I guess, because I was 16, 17, 18. And my hockey buddies, I, I played ice hockey. My hockey buddies are in my car. They're like, what are all these tapes? I'm like, I oh, don't worry about it. And and so I'm listening to like Earl Nightingale. It's like, you can become an expert in any category by, by studying or learning for one hour a day. And I'm like, well, what happens if you do it for two hours a day? And so I just was fascinated by direct response marketing, psychology, and what could happen. So I started applying this to my dad's business. And we grew from a little regional player to a, a national player because we would start running ads for, I mean, I was writing very long form ads like Joe Sugarman style ads for very complicated medical equipment and it would get doctors to send me cold calling i'd get doctors that were on a scale of one to ten ten being ready to give us their credit card to seven eight nines and tens and some you know they're just giving us money somewhere like hey let me let me talk to you about whatever it was an ekg machine or a or a fetal doppler or you know whatever high dollar sales for that kind of uh, demand really interesting stuff that you had to figure out what are you know the benefits of it that and, and what are the cpt codes and how to sell it to like so it was a fascinating thing. And so for a long time, I thought I was going to grow my dad's business and, and then take it over. And then I just got this itch to like go do my own thing. And so I had other doctors that wanted me to help them with their marketing. And so I started working with other doctors and I'm like, okay, well, there's kind of a limited amount of room for be a consultant. I'm like, well, so, and then I started learning about Dan Kennedy and I learned about taking information and selling information. And I created a course for dermatologist first, but it ended up being all cosmetic surgeons and plastic surgeons, ophthalmologists. But the very first thing was I advertised in cosmetic, no, on dermatologic surgery news or dermatologic surgery journal or something. A print, like a print publication, right? Yeah. Print publication. Yeah. It's on everybody's, uh, I'm sure on their, on their coffee tables in their living room right now. It's such a riveting reading. I've got 10 doctors to raise their hand and, and be like, okay, this is interesting. And I had like a 20 page sales letter that outlined what this course was. And the course wasn't, wasn't created yet. And finally, after the third notice and follow-ups, I got one doctor to fax in. And you remember faxes. You're of the age that you remember faxes. So not everyone would remember faxes, but every time a fax would ring in my dad's office, I'd be like sprinting over there and see if it was a doctor that gave me their money or not. 
And, awesome. and then finally it was like, tch, 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 tch. and then I got $900 for this course. And yeah, I was so excited and elated. And then I'm like, Oh, I have to go make this thing. So you sold it before you made it. I love I that. Sold, yeah. Because, you know, I want to see if it's even worthwhile. And, and then that started me going. So I sent back a letter to the doctor saying, Hey, this is uh, this is going to be available in 30 days. I won't charge. We're not charging your card until then. And then got to work every single day, clocked out at 5 PM was working till like three o'clock in the morning, many times and creating this course material. And then that was kind of my first runway into being out on my own. And, and when it got to $15,000 a month, I was literally like answering my phone underneath my desk, trying to take calls from some doctors that were around the country buying this thing. And then also working as a, as marketing and salesperson for my dad's business. And, and finally, I'm like, no, I, I feel like I'm going to, I'm going to take off and, and do my own thing. And so that was, that was the, the real, so that was 90, 98 and 99. And then the internet started becoming a bigger force. And I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. And I have no technical background whatsoever, but I'm like, I have all these skills now that I've learned about copywriting. And literally right. at three o'clock in the morning, I woke up with this idea for instant sales letters. And instant sales letters became my first million dollar product. And within three months, I was on track to do six figures. And then people are like, oh, how did you do that? Could you teach me? Which then turned into me teaching internet marketing, information marketing, and, and, and all that. And that... That was kind of my career for a long time. And then about 12 years ago, 11 years ago, I kind of asked myself a really simple question, which was, am I happy? Would I be happy doing what I'm doing 10 years from now? And then the answer was, was no, which led me to this whole other exploration of how do you connect your head, your heart, your higher purpose? So tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that was the most interesting journey that because before that point, you know, seven or eight different projects all hit the million dollar mark without really breaking a sweat too much. And then this was this idea that in my journal, I'm like, okay, what would make me happiest? It'd be hanging out with my, my friends that are also amazing entrepreneurs. And we would have business sessions in the middle of nowhere. We would, like, like you mentioned, the Maverick group, we would fly big jets. We would go Baja doing buggy racing. We'd do all these things. There'd be a charity component. There'd be you know, just a lot of fun to it. And then about $400,000 in, my wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I have no idea, but there's something here and it really forced me to, so my passion and interest in the internet publishing space had really waned because I, it just wasn't, I didn't feel like the ultimate expression of who I was. And, and it was difficult. It was interesting because I was helping a lot of people because it, it was really gratifying to be able to take somebody who, I don't know, would sell guitar lessons locally. And then they put them up online and all of a sudden they're financially independent because they could use the leverage of, of the internet. But I'm like, right. that's not my real ultimate end all be all. So this original idea of Maverick Business Adventures. So then as that's sort of like going completely sideways and then the publishing company is going down, it really forced me to look at my why. And the why wasn't to build an adventure travel company. It's to change the way business is played. Nice. And, and so it really forced me to like reevaluate everything about your identity, like your self-worth being connected to your net worth. Like, because I had so closely identified with, okay, being this successful entrepreneur and all these things that were, that were happening and easy and so forth. And then this, that was very unknown is literally like walking off a cliff in some way and being like, I, I, I think that there's something here. And, but along the way, I, I then created all these almost like puzzle pieces by almost going out of business there. I, I was able to put these puzzle pieces together, which then became the evolved enterprise framework from meeting people, like you mentioned, Richard Branson, you know, it's one piece of that framework, but also a lot of unknown people that are doing amazing things in their business. They're having a greater impact that also grew their revenue 
through the, the way that their, their customers wanted to buy from them and become advocates and zealots, the way that their, their team members would, would be part of a greater mission. And so that became this evolved enterprise framework. And then when we applied that, it really turned things around. We had like an 800 some percent kind of change in difference of what we were doing because of the greater impact. And, and then we also changed. So during this time, it was a lot of soul searching as well. And, and it was a lot of like, just, okay, what, what, what am I doing? Because I could easily have gone back to the internet marketing world, but. Yeah. And, and you still can anytime, which is nice, right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like a lot of, like, I'm not, uh, there's, there's so much has changed where it's like you, you, I'm definitely like, I understand the general, but the tactical part has changed so dramatically that you have to be an expert in one key thing. It's like, you can go so deep in it. But but that you know it just felt like that's that's not my my role and and so part of this was okay what 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 is it and and it's just a lot of exploration so I, I feel like the last ten years has been a deep spiritual journey actually and it's evolved entrepreneur correct evolved enterprise is the name of the book yeah evolved enterprise okay so so then is that more focused on impact and kind of self development personal development or or how would you describe that now. Evolved enterprise is this idea of how to, it's almost like a, it holding a paradox of that the business can actually create a, a greater difference in the world and make more money. And so a lot of people are like, well, I'll make a bunch of money and then I'll do something with it in the second half of my life. Or, or other people are like, well, I only care about this cause. And if I make money, great. But it's truly, so Forbes picked up a, a quote of mine and this is a couple of years ago, basically saying that you had about four to seven years that you have to have a, a core impact in what you do, or you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage. So it's, it's the seismic shift that's happening from consumer buying behavior changing, that cu- customers want to buy from companies that have a greater purpose, a greater meaning, and they're willing to either spend the same and change brands or change you know, whatever company they buy from, or they're even willing to spend more. And then from the inside out, it's team members uh, that want to work for a company that has a greater meaning and purpose. And that's where I think it's really exciting is that we get to use our head, which is our marketing side, our business side, to develop all, all those pieces that we've already got excited about that we can do in our marketing side. And then use our heart, which is how do we want to make a difference in the world? And then use our higher purpose, which you know to me is like, how, what, what were you designed to do here? Why were you... Why were you brought here in, in some way, or why'd you, would you volunteer for, or what's, you know, kind of your unique makeup. And then you align all of it together. And that's where Evolved Enterprise really shines. And that, that's where it's exciting for me is to bring all those things back together. Because if you can apply direct marketing to a company that has amazing potential to do good, then it just turbocharges it. And, and you see this with like companies. So bigger companies have, have, been experimenting with this for a while now and it's sometimes called triple bottom line it's called conscious capitalism it's called for benefit like there's a lot of names for it that are all in the same genre and very early on you only see like a negligible difference like but if you look at companies that done research with companies that have a greater purpose and meaning across the s p 500 they outperformed it by 1400 percent over a 15-year period so it was like it starts like this and then it goes dramatically up when you're aligned with your values and your core purpose. And that's, that's what's exciting to me. It's like, okay, where, where is the leverage point of this? So, so for everybody that's watching or listening, how, and they want to be an evolved enterprise, how, how, what's the, the short version of how one does that? Obviously, there's a lot more to it than we could talk about right here, but what are the key points? Yeah, well, it's really about, number one, it's understanding that you could. 
that, that it doesn't have to be two separate things. And then the other thing that I like to do is I think language is so important. You know, as, as I started as a copywriter, I said words are so important. So a lot of companies will th- talk about, okay, this is our giving back. Well, what does give back imply? It implies guilt that we've taken something. So as entrepreneurs, we're value creators. The only way that we stay in business is by providing value. So we've already provided value. But so if you're thinking about impact or, or, or ripple of impact or, or whatever you want to call it, giving forward, I don't, you know, I don't even love that as much, but whatever it is, you know, it starts there even like just this idea of, of the words that you're using in bigger companies, it might call it corporate social responsibilities, CSR. And is there like an exercise for doing that or something? Or how, how do you come up with well, that? To me, it all starts with you. Like you as the founder, it has to start from you personally evolving in some way, shape or form. So that's where the personal development that you were asking about comes from. So any of any of that work, and, and that's always a constantly evolving, you know, you're never, you're never necessarily done with it. But, but that kind of work of exploring, okay, what, what, what am I uniquely gifted at? What do I love to do? What do I, at my highest level, what, what do I want to put out into the world? And then even like exploring some of the darker stuff, like our shadows, which is the stuff that we don't want to necessarily put out into the world, but that can sometimes drive our life in a very unconscious way. Uh, right. So a, a shadow is, I don't know. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a light part to an archetype or to a characteristic, and then there's a dark type. So for instance, I'm a, I'm a very good catalyst. Like I love starting stuff. But the shadow part of that is that I don't always finish things. So you have to explore that. And then, you you know, you just start learning more and more about yourself. And then from that as well, you start thinking about, okay, what what do I care about the most in the world? So for us, it's an entrepreneurial umbrella. We care about empowering entrepreneurs. And, And then so all the work that we do within our companies are around that part of it. And so for other people, it could be a very specific, maybe pain that they've experienced personally or within their family that they want to help write. You know, I worked with one guy that he, his father died very early on in his life. Maybe he went to like seven or eight and he, he decided I never want any other kid to experience that. So he created with my help, something called the fit father project where he would, you know, make sure that to, to provide health and wellness and education for fathers and even calling it the fit father project was a certain sort of demographic now that he was targeting. And then the impact side of what they did. So I believe in, so you start with you and then cause is the next one. So you're figuring out what is the cause? What do we, what do we care about? And so, and then it's baking into that cause, into your product or service. And then that builds the community and it builds also the culture within your company. And so for him, they would do things like every pound lost equals a dollar that they donated to a place called Camp Kesem, which, which sent kids that were, that were going through hardship through, through illness within their families into these summer camps that they weren't really going to be able to experience any, anyway. So it's it was really a cool. really nice tie-in. And, and I love when, so there's a lot of ways in Evolved Enterprise, I talk about 11 different impact models. And that, that's where it gets exciting when people can see the, the ideas and the models. So many people are familiar with Tom's and, you know, Blake Mykoski. So Blake and I are, are friends and I had a chance to interview him a couple of years back. And, and the only thing he would talk about was, how many pairs of shoes they've, they've given away. And that, not the only thing, but that was a big thing that they talked about. And that is like what I call an impact score, scorecard or scoreboard. So now at that point, it was 35 million pairs of shoes they've given away. And so he could say, okay, because baked in, they probably could sell 35 million pairs of shoes. And that was a, you know, it was a great marketing hook. You know, it was just really, you know, he hit it right at this beautiful intersection of, of, of companies that were just starting to do this. And so a lot of times companies are like, oh, we want to do this. And then they think about a buy one, give one model. But that's not always the right model. It, it can work in sometimes, but sometimes it's like trying to put a, a round peg in a, in a square hole kind of thing. And, and so 
sometimes it works incredibly well, like Bombas, if you've seen the, the sock company, you know, Damon John's an investor. I know, I know you know yep. Damon. Yep. They've grown so fast because of that, that model of, of where they, you buy a pair of socks and then they give away a pair of socks to a homeless shelter. And then what they did was even better is they made a better sock that they gave away. So it was like a antimicrobacterial sock. It was a dark colored sock. It had reinforced seams. It was just a better sock. And then the, I think one of the founders was like, if we sell a million pairs of socks, I'm going to get this tattoo of the logo on my wherever. And he's like, I think it'll take 10 years. And they got it in like two and a half years. And That's now true. they're at like, I don't know, eight or nine or 10 million pairs of socks sold. So it's like amazing how that amplifies and accelerates what they're doing. But you need the good marketing too behind it. You need the good, like you can't just have impact and be like, oh, well, we have the impact and and that and then you know, our story is going to get told or whatever. Like you, we start putting it all together and it gets turbocharged and that's where it's exciting, but that's not the only way of doing it. There's so many other models as well. So you mentioned there's 11, is that what you said? Right. Yeah. Can, can you rattle through some of yeah. those? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the fun ones. So there's, there's also a direct impact. So it's like, if, if I buy, I don't know, this thing, this water bottle, then maybe that we give away X amount of, of clean water to X communities. Right. So it's a very specific outcome that is uh, attributed to this thing. Like, so I'm wearing, yeah, I do have it. So I, I'm wearing this little bracelet here that's made out of ocean plastic from a mm-hmm. company called Four Ocean. And what they do is every single, yeah, every single bracelet that they take out a pound of, of ocean plastic uh, or trash, and then they, they use that to create the product. So it's a really nice, interesting tie-in. And I haven't seen their latest stats, but it's something like, I feel like it was like 8 million pounds of trash uh, taken out or 7 million, like it was quite a bit. So that means that they've sold, you know, 8 million of these bracelets. And and so what happens is the customers don't just become customers. They become advocates and they become zealots and they become real. It's a real community that you're building because they're tied into this greater mission. So that's, that's one way. Another is that you get to choose your impact. So you can have multiple, if you have multiple products, one could be attributed to this cause and one could be attributed to this cause and one so based on, you know, it could be a different color bracelet. It could be a different kind of pairs of socks. It could be a different watch with the different colored bands or something. You know, there's a lot of ways of, of doing it. The other ones that I really love that get more involved. So I, I, in there, I talk about how do you move from a transactional company to a transformational company to even a transcending company. And transactional is you're competing on, on price or you're competing on some sort of advantage that is probably going to go away transformational is that your identity changes with the relationship with the company. Like literally everyone, the, the, the team, the, the people that are involved, the people that are buying it, like their identities get changed that I feel like, you know, I've helped contribute to clean water. I've helped contribute to whatever. And, and if you do it at a high enough level, then, then there's even more, which is transcending what the business could be. Because I, I really do believe that business can be the greatest lever for making a difference in the world. And you look at all the ways that we as entrepreneurs can make a difference. You know, again, we're starting from baseline, which is if you're in business already, you're a value creator. But there's a lot of ways that we can leverage what we're doing. So whether it's our our product or service itself, our our talent within the organization, like how do we apply our ideas and talent within the organization for something greater? Our supply chain, what do we, you know, how, where are we buying from? What what is our level of, of consciousness and how do we how do we bring that forth? What is our our employees, like how do we how do we bring together this one model I called empowered employment, and then and then the other is our voice. Like so, how do we use our our voice and and, and leverage in the marketplace to become a lighthouse? So this empowered employment is one other model 
There's a, a company called Ultra Testing that I really love. And what they did is they took people who are on the autism spectrum scale and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do quality control testing for cross-browser platforms and different iOS systems or whatever, which typically would require someone that, that wants to pay more attention to detail, that is okay with more repetitive tasks. That, you know, so they took something which could be looked at as a, a tremendous disadvantage and said, no, that we're going to make this a competitive advantage in our company by hiring people on, the, on this neurodiversity that's really cool. I hadn't heard about that. That's really cool. It's really interesting, right? So then this is a way of transcending what, what business can be because it's not just like exploiting this group of people. It, it's truly like using using gifts and talents in a different way. And, and it's a win for everyone. That, that's where I get excited. It's like, okay, how do we layer in these, these impact elements and things like that? So there's another model called Source Matters, which is taking a look at, okay, what is the source of whatever we're creating and how do we make that into, into a greater, higher level of, of good. So one of my favorite examples is a company called Elvis and Crest or a little small company out of the UK. And the two designers are walking down the street and they saw all this fire hose that was laying out that was going to get trashed. And they're like, Oh, a, you know, that's going to all get in landfill. It's, it's going to be a massive waste, but B this is amazing material. What can we do with it? So then they turned it into belts and, and, you know, shower dop kits and iPad covers and keychains and all this stuff. And what's really interesting then is they take 50% of their, of their profits. And then the full circle part of it is it goes back into fireman and firewoman charities. And, and so I, you know, I love this kind of like full circle nature. That's where source matters. And, and the connectivity of it too. Also, yeah. I think the material to the thing that's, that's exactly. nice. Right. So it's, it's, there's like, so, you, you know, you can do it in a way that is more transactional to you. Like, okay, well, we'll give, I don't know, a 1% or 5% of our, of our profits to this particular cause. But when you start tying it into a greater way, then it gets more exciting. That's where the story starts really coming alive. And that's where the marketing starts coming alive as well, because we can, we can do some things that help spread that story. Right. And, and with that source matters, you know, there's lots of ways. There's, there's one entrepreneur that looked at these rotting bananas that were, they weren't going to be perfect bananas that could get sold. And they're like, okay, well, what's going to happen with all of them? And he's like, well, I can turn them into this basically banana chips and or not even chips or like smushy banana. I don't know what they are. Like kind of like a mix between a, a chip and a granola bar, but they're just dry bananas and they're called Barnana. You've probably seen some of them. And so they'd become a pretty decent sized company by taking something that would have been thrown out anyway. There's companies that are using the, the pit of, uh, if you love coffee, but coffee comes out of these, you know, these cherries and they, they just use the bean and roast the bean, but the, the cherry part is just discarded. So it's like, okay, how do we, how do we use that and turn it into something else that the, that the farmers get additional revenue for? And so then they create uh, coffee flour and, and other byproducts of it. So there's all these ways of looking at what could be done in, in a greater capacity. And that, that's where it's really exciting. That, that is really cool. Now, so is this from a book that you've written? Yeah, so this is a Evolved Enterprise, talks about the concept and the, and the, and the framework for it. And, and of course, my, my story of, of kind of uncovering all this. And it's, it's truly something that I put my heart and soul into. And I also put my own doodles into it. So you get to see a few of my, my drawings. See your art. I like it. So what's the best place for folks to get a copy of that if they were interested in doing that or to get a hold of you if they want to talk to you about all this thing, these things yeah, in detail? So Amazon or evolvedenterprise.com. We have a, a limited edition kind of a set on there, which also goes to support a group called Village Enterprise that I love that trains micro enterprises in East Africa. 
Nice. That's really great. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I do think that it would be interesting for people to, because you you have uh, a reputation for bringing groups together, building communities, tying in celebrity components all the way back to underground. You would find even you would create celebrities because you'd yeah. find these people who were under the radar, but you'd also bring in people that were well-known as well. And then you connected with Branson and things like that. What's the best way for somebody that wants to have that positive impact, be that evolved enterprise to accelerate and amplify their ability to get the message out by tying into those kinds of things? Well, I mean, that, that's actually so fascinating because as you start doing more and more of these things and connecting to the impact that you could do within your company, a lot of times you'll find celebrities will want to be a part of it or, or other advocates or other channel partners or, or they, they want to be associated. It gives them a halo effect as well. And right. bigger brands that, that have greater distribution come, come to you or it's, or it's easier to, to do that. So, but the, the aspect of like celebrities are, you know, that, that's, it's almost like a masterclass in and, in and of itself, but it is. Me, I just want you to tell us all how to do it in about two minutes. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> perfect. Well, so it, it, it really comes down to, to me, just like, you know, when we talked about language being so important and, and how you do things, like to me, it comes down, a lot of it is intention, right? So it's like, if I'm looking to just have a transactional relationship where I pay someone to show up and, and then they, you know, they do X, Y, and Z, then that's great. And that's usually the way it, it stops, right? So now, are you going to have to pay in some cases? Yes, absolutely. Sometimes you're, you're very much in that. And I've had many times where I, I pay to play because it puts you in that same room and puts you in that same place. And now, but then what happens after usually comes from the the intention that you bring forward. So so for me, like you mentioned, you know, networking aspect, and, and I think this applies in a broader sense. So when I meet people, one of my favorite questions is, what are you most excited by right now? And and that doesn't necessarily mean what what business are you most or you know whatever. It's like just what what are you most excited by right now? Because now that opens up the door to them to say, you know, like for you, I, I don't even know what it would be. Well, let's play it out right now you know, without a net, what, what are you most excited by right now, Roland? For me, I'm, I'm most excited right now about the project that I started, which is helping, helping the businesses that are in trouble as a result of the COVID situation to be able to continue so that there's the legacy for the people who started those businesses and own them. The, there's a, there's a continuity of employment and reemployment for the people who have given the, those businesses their, their gift of being employed and also to help the continuity for the customers who are being served by the businesses. Because if those businesses go away, then those customers can no longer be served. And all three of those things then lend themselves to restarting the economy as quickly as possible. So that's, I've, I'm very focused on that program. Yeah. So I love that. So then, you know, what, what I would do is, is I'd be like, hey, here's, you know, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about this way of maybe incorporating whatever impact into this that that makes it even like you're it's already an impact oriented because what you talked about are those three things that are very much cause aligned about the greater why and 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 it's also an incredible opportunity like there's a there's a financial opportunity for for everyone involved and it's a win-win-win so then it's like okay how how could we make that even better and then within a couple a little bit of a conversation a i'd be finding out you know are there any holes that you want to you know that you don't have kind of lined up. And, and then, so that could be an introduction that I make. 
or it could be someone that I know, or literally just, you know, brainstorming with you and, and putting out an idea about, hey, have you thought about this? Like, is there a way to say, okay, now everyone who bought one of these companies, so they're, you know, they're buying in for XYZ and they already have like their, the way that they're, have been running their company. But what if when they, they came in and, and, and this is actually really interesting to me, like what if when they came in that they were trained a little bit in the evolved enterprise concepts and they could add. Oh, I, I'm already thinking about that. I, I right. love that. Like, so that would be a, a win for me. I would love that. And then B, like, all I care about is like, how do we nudge the consciousness of the world by even one degree using the leverage of business? So it's like, they walk in, they're already a savior and helping, but then how do they elevate what that company is doing? And that, that's where I get excited. And then uh, it's also going to help them uh, make more money. And then you and I have had a, a few, like a super brief conversation about another thing that we're doing that could be a tie-in, which is called Evolve Profits, which is expense reduction with uh, an, an evolved enterprise aspect to it. And so right. that would be the other thing that I would have mentioned to you as well. And, and, and so it becomes a win for you with the key project that you're most passionate about. And that's, that's how I built a lot of my relationships and not from a way of being like, oh, okay, now if I introduce this person to this person, that means they'll probably owe me. And then I could, you know, use that in this way. That transactional approach is the biggest turnoff to me. And there's a couple of people who've been trying to do business with me for a few years now. Right. And I've told them that, like, I've just said, you know, listen, that's a transactional approach. I'm not, because they're like, you know, if I introduce you to this person, will you do this? If I get you this thing, will you do that? And I'm like, no, because that's not what I want. I want you to do it. If you feel that what I'm doing will be good for whoever you're going to introduce me to, cool. But I don't do transactional. I really don't like those relationships at all. And I've found that, the quickest way to annoy especially successful people is to try to be transactional with them because they're not at that place either. Even though you like may desperately need whatever it is that you want them to do, you have to not try to, I call it middling the deal, right? You can't middle the deal. Either you bring value, which to me is what your responsibility is. Being a connector, to me, that's pretty worthless if you're, if you're making your life off of connecting people. But if you can connect people and add value, then you can connect and make money and you're not transactional and anything else, you just give away, give that connection away because it will be karmetic for you, right? Yeah, it's such a, it's a difficult thing. I mean, it's a very philosophical thing too about, so I'll, I'll bring it down to like almost a, an example that everyone's probably had where you're walking down the street and, and maybe there's a homeless person that's that's asking for, for cash. Right. So if I put a dollar or two dollars into the jar or five bucks or whatever it is, or five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, and I'm and I'm like, oh, well, that person, I need you to use that money only to do X, Y, and Z. I've now created attachment in some way. And so if I'm giving from simply just wanting to give and not having any expectation of what happens, that's the exact same thing here. So when I meet somebody that I love what they're doing in the world. I want to help accelerate that. I want to amplify what they're doing. So then it's like, oh, you know, you should talk to so-and-so because they have a database of people that I think would love to hear about that. Or this is a key resource that you need or whatever it is. Right. And so my, my value add or where I look at it, because if I introduce you, Roland, to so-and-so and so-and-so and, and -so thought that my introduction was a terrible introduction, then... I'm going to have a harder time ever getting that person's attention again 
Because of course, it's your social capital. Exactly. So it's like it has to work for for both parties as well, and and it has to be a value add, and it has to be something that you know to you know what I go by is like okay, how do how do we make whatever is happening bigger and better for everyone involved? And, right. And sometimes there is like that 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 happens, and that's part of it, and and everyone and they know that going in, but it's not that's not the main objection. Oh yeah, not the or, main or objective, and not the objective. main and not the expectation, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Well, I, I could talk with you all day long and I know you've got other things you have to do, but I definitely want to chat with you more about how we can work together, see how that works on the, the stuff that we were talking about. And I'd like to connect you with some of our other groups and, and thank you for coming. Also, for everybody that wants to follow, get a hold of you, it's evolvedenterprise.com, yep. right? Yeah. You can buy the book on uh, Amazon as well. And uh, do you have a podcast or any, any of the socials you like for folks to connect with uh, you on? I don't know. Instagram, I'm fairly active on. Not super, but it's just Yannick Silver, Y-A-N-I-K, Silver, at Yannick Silver, or I blog every once in a while at, at YannickSilver.com. And then I have something new that's pretty cool that I have to send you. I don't know if I've sent it to you, but it's called the Cosmic Journal. It's like I haven't a, seen it. It's a hand-drawn, illustrated journal that works like an oracle. And this That is awesome. Like, yeah, it came from me hand-drawing pages for 108 days. and that, So that's available at CosmicJournal.com or at Amazon. Uh, that's it's totally, totally different. It's a uh, very artistic, but it's it's I, I call it the galactic instruction manual you were missing when you were born to uh, re-remember your destiny here. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate Thanks you being on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. You've been listening to Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. If you're enjoying the show, let us subscribing and leaving a review. And for more information, go to businesslunchpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. What if three days could change the course of your business in 2023? Get Scalable Live is where you'll gain great clarity on the next steps that will help you create the business, life, and wealth you deserve. Connect with business owners and entrepreneurs just like you, hungry for advice, proven strategies, and necessary connections to grow a business. Literally, million-dollar conversations are happening in the hallways, in the bathrooms, across tables. Get Scalable Live at Fairmont Austin, November 2nd through 4th. Tickets are on sale now at GetScalableLive.com.